and welcome to the Forbcast, the leading podcast on freedom of religion or belief, presented by Bellwether International. I'm your host, Brenna Christian Server. Today on the podcast's pilot episode, our guest is the founder and executive director of Bellwether International, Rachel Miner. Rachel, it's a pleasure to have you. Thanks, Brenna. It's great to be here. So I want to kick everything off by discussing the intention of this podcast, um, at least as we see it right now. The acronym in our title, FORB, F-O-R-B, stands for Freedom of Religion or Belief. Um, This is from Bellwether's website. The mission of Bellwether International is to ensure freedom of religion or belief by securing to individuals the free exercise of conscience, the right and control of property, and the protection of life. The mission of the Forbcast is to provide an access point for people in all walks of life so that everybody can understand and interact with what's going on with freedom of religion or belief throughout the whole world. We aim to bridge communication gaps, explore intersectionality with other social justice causes, and ultimately, we want to elevate the public awareness of this monumental human rights issue. We'll be bringing you weekly episodes full of incredible content, such as interviews with interesting people from all over the world. Today, I thought it would be valuable if we started with a kind of introduction, an introduction to me, to you, Rachel, to Bellwether, and just to the importance of FORB. So why don't you just give us a little introduction to yourself and the moment that you realized that freedom of religion or belief was such an important issue that you wanted to start to fight for it in your life. Great. Thanks again for having me. So I want to start by highlighting where the phrase freedom of religion or belief comes from. The Universal Declaration on Human Rights, Article 18, describes that freedom of religion or belief is an essential right for everyone. They also phrase it as fundamental freedom of conscience. It's important to delineate that freedom of religion or belief protects people who belong to formal religious institutions and people who do not identify with formal religious institutions, people with atheist backgrounds or uh, Scientology backgrounds, people who practice agnosticism. All of these different groups of people, Christianity, Buddhism, agnosticism, atheism, they're all protected by freedom of conscience uh, under the umbrella of freedom of religion or belief. The Universal Declaration of Human Rights was drafted by a committee of international stakeholders in response to World War II and the Holocaust. So it reflects how we value human dignity in our world. And in order to protect human dignity, we have to protect freedom of religion or belief because our belief systems, our conscience, is what fundamentally makes us human. It's what makes us unique as humans, and it contributes to the overall good of society. So now to answer your question about how I became involved with freedom of religion or belief. My first early encounter with freedom of religion or belief was as I was working abroad in London, I had the opportunity to work directly with the Yazidi people of Iraq and learn so much from their rich cultural traditions, their religious practices, their rituals and ceremonies. They have such an amazing history, which pretty much came to a screeching halt when Daesh or ISIS invaded and decided to ignore the human dignity of the Yazidis and to violate their human rights in the most obtrusive and offensive ways. And as a world, we failed the Yazidis. We failed to protect them on multi-levels, both internationally at a state level, multilaterally. 
Although we failed in this moment to intervene and help the Yazidi people, there are thousands of organizations that are working now to uphold those precious beliefs and the religion that they hold dear. This interaction was so poignant for me to realize that an entire group of people could have been protected and saved if freedom of religion or belief had been taken seriously, if it had been upheld by international structures that we trust. And it's just a really humbling moment to realize that this, this is not a Western right religious liberty, freedom of religion or belief. It's not a conservative right. It's a human right. And it's critical that we acknowledge that, especially in a world where 83% of the people in this world identify with a formal religion, with a formal religious practice. We have to acknowledge that religion is more than something you do on Sundays. It is global in nature. It is human in nature. And it must be protected as a human right. There are a lot of organizations out there that this is their focus, this is their mission. What is it that makes Bellwether different? Great question. And thank you for that question, giving me a chance to reflect on uh, how we're focusing on this work at a unique angle. I think it's really important in nonprofit work that we aren't reinventing the wheel. There are so many organizations, as you mentioned, that are doing incredible work in freedom of religion or belief. And so part of why Bellwether was founded, part of why we entered this uh, sphere of stakeholders is because we notice that freedom of religion or belief is a bundled human right. We tend to compartmentalize things that we don't understand or compartmentalize them to simplify them, to address them, to solve them. But in the case of freedom of religion or belief, it actually becomes kind of harmful to uh, delineate too far, to compartmentalize too far. Bellwether was started to address the intersectionality of freedom of religion or belief and to recognize where freedom of religion or belief is bundled. For example, one of the main pillars of our organization is preventing gender-based violence in religious contexts perpetrated by religious leaders in the name of religious doctrine. Freedom of religion or belief and gender equality is a bundled right. Many people in the world identify their gender identity through religious practice, through what's taught in their doctrine, through their scripture, through their canon. So it's critical that we address this intersection and we address where there are human rights violations occurring at this intersection. Is sexual assault being justified in the name of religion? And how do we protect freedom of religion or belief in spite of that human violation? How do we address these problems? Um, in the case of gender-based violence, this is a fairly new priority internationally. The UN Special Reporter for Freedom of Religion or Belief has recently emphasized the importance of preventing gender-based violence in freedom of religion or belief context. The United Kingdom Parliament recently helped to facilitate a declaration of humanity for religious leaders by religious leaders that acknowledges those who have been sexually assaulted in conflict still maintain human dignity in their own faith practices. This is a huge turning point for understanding how freedom of religion is bundled and where those intersectionalities exist and how Bellwether is working at these intersections to pioneer and understand how to protect bundled rights, how to protect other human rights that are affected by freedom of religion and belief in this context. I think it's so interesting and important that at Bellwether, you're focusing on the intersections, because until I spoke with Rachel about Bellwether and its mission, I didn't believe that FORB was particularly important, like in my life specifically, because I'm somebody who considers myself to be agnostic. 
I was raised in a really religious home, uh, but for many reasons I'll, I'll probably go into on later episodes, um, if it ever becomes relevant, I decided to step away from organized religion in my early 20s. And that was just the best decision for me. And since then, I've spent a lot of time trying to educate myself about social justice issues and figure out how I can help make the world a better place. And the more I, the more I research about social justice issues, the more I realize that you can't separate them from each other. Intersectionality is essential when you're talking about human dignity. And so are we a society that needs to respect each other's belief systems? Yes. And also, are we a, are we a society that needs to look at and start to interact with racial equality differently? Yes, yes, we are. And all of these things converge with each other. So I think it's incredible that Bellwether wants to pinpoint those intersections. So Rachel, this, this is an incredibly complex issue that you're attempting to face here with Bellwether. And there are going to be people on both sides of this issue saying, how can you fight for X, Y, or Z? from your context, how are, how are you going to address all of the different perspectives that are probably all equally valid? This is the million dollar question. I think this is why we see freedom of religion or belief as both one of the most valued human rights and also one of the most threatened human rights in the world. And the complexities play out by region. There are complexities uh, in different religious practices that we see in certain parts of the world and not in other parts of the world good example of this would be in the United States, where freedom of religion or belief is in tension with LGBTQ plus rights. And it's become somewhat of a culture war in the United States where it's either freedom of religion or belief or LGBTQ plus or anti-discrimination rights. But that's not the case. We don't have to analyze things in this extreme in order to address the complexities. You take that and compare it to another part of the world, China, where the Uyghur Muslims are being targeted by government, being placed in re-education camps that have been described to the degree of the Holocaust. That's a different issue, equally complex, but very different. What about in Nigeria, where environmental factors and a new governmental regime and a caste system are creating incredible conflict between Muslim and Christian herders, between people of the city and people of the farms? We also see conflict in Nigeria from Boko Haram, which is a terrorist organization. So we have all these different kinds of freedom of religion violations. We also have different kinds of freedom of religion or belief complexities. So how do we address these? Well, we need to start by acknowledging what is shared in each of these contexts, and that is human dignity. Freedom of religion does not give permission to violate human dignity. Freedom of belief does not give permission to violate human dignity. That's where we start, upholding the human dignity of all people everywhere. And if we start from that basis, we can have conversations around these complexities that allow people to practice their belief systems in pluralistic societies without feeling threatened, without feeling personal or dignitary harm. So in the case of the United States, how do we justify freedom of religion or belief and provide anti-discrimination context for people who are persecuted, such as the LGBTQ plus community? Well, again, back to human dignity. We talk about where we have shared values, where we're both trying to participate in society and make it a better place, where we both have public goods and services we're seeking, and where we both have private views, private relationships, and private interactions that we're trying to preserve. There are compromises that exist in that place, in these complexities, but they have to center on human dignity. They have to center on human dignity 
And we have to come back to the fact that society as a whole is better and happier. And there is more reciprocity of goodness if we protect freedom of religion or belief for everyone. What do you think in the fight for freedom of religion or belief is going to be the biggest hurdle? I think there's a lot of hurdles that we face in addressing freedom of religion or belief, including a long history of harms. A lot of harmful things have been done in the name of religion. There's a long history of harm, and that's really hard to rectify. It's really hard to bring healing to people of past generations that have inherited trauma in the name of religion, that have inherited these human rights violations from families who have been displaced, targeted, persecuted, ostracized from society. So I think a big hurdle is acknowledging what we can control and the narrative that we can tell in order to bring society closer together. As long as we focus on the harms of the past, we will divide. And it will be easy to accuse and it will be easy to find on both sides of the argument where religion has failed us, where belief systems have failed us, where pluralism has failed us. But in order to overcome this hurdle, we need to stay in the present. We need to focus on what religious people are doing now to bridge the gaps. We need to focus on where belief systems and religious systems align in creating society a better place for everyone. We need to focus on the present, on where we are, where we've come, how human dignity is more preserved, even though we have greater human rights violations facing our world. So I think the hurdle comes from acknowledging, yes, there is harm. Yes, there is sometimes things we can do to heal from that harm, and sometimes we can't, and we have to address the trauma that comes from real harm. But as soon as we acknowledge that, we need to put our feet on the ground, and we need to walk towards each other, and we need to see each other with the eyes of human dignity and address that at the end of the day, we're really not that much different. We want the same kinds of freedoms. We want to enjoy the same freedom of conscience. We want to enjoy the same high standard of living. We want to enjoy protection of our people and of our kind. That's shared in our society, and if we can keep that focused in our viewpoint, these hurdles fall to the wayside, or we're able to talk about them in constructive ways that lead to constructive policy, that lead to constructive interfaith communities, that lead to constructive society that makes everyone better off as a result of protecting these basic freedoms. What are you most hopeful for, for the future? I'm most hopeful when I see people defending the religious beliefs, the secular beliefs that they don't agree with. It's not always captured in the media, as we are entertainment prone and our, our news, although thorough and most often accurate, it reflects our desire to be entertained and not our desire to be informed. But we occasionally capture these instances where the Jewish faith is protecting the Christian faith, where the Muslim faith is protecting the LGBTQ plus community. And when I see these instances of protection, especially in COVID, where I think a lot of religious organizations have banded together, realizing that this is a fundamental right that we need to cooperate in order to protect, that's when I'm most hopeful. When I see agnostic and atheist people appreciate the value of religion, when I see religious people recognize the harm of discrimination and work to overcome it, there's so many places where we can build bridges and it's happening around us. We have to look for it. We have to look for our Muslim neighbors and how to live with them peacefully. We have to look for our Jewish neighbors and celebrate who they are and what they contribute to society. But as we do so, we're a better place. We're a happier people. And there's a lot of hope to be had. Thank you so much.
So what do we do about all this? I think we have to start by committing to complexity. It's hard to hold things in tension. It's hard to create spaces where there are things we agree with and things we don't agree with, and they're in the space together, and they're not compartmentalized, and they're not from separate political parties, and they can't go to their separate conventions and talk about their separate platforms. We need to hold things in tension long enough to appreciate the shared goals, long enough to appreciate the nuances that will protect both people involved. I think the invitation that's on the table is to commit yourself to freedom of religion or belief in a long-term perspective. Yes, there will be results short-term. You'll be able to live with greater respect and understanding for a huge part of our world that practices religious systems, but you'll also be able to develop a huge understanding and respect for people who don't practice religious systems. But even beyond these short-term outcomes, we have to commit to this issue. We have to commit to human dignity, commit to upholding human rights. And that's not an easy commitment because it's uncomfortable, because it is complex, because it's personal, and because it's portrayed in ways that make us uncomfortable, make us feel threatened, make us feel scared. There will always be unknowns. But I think if we commit to this core issue, committing to staying involved, being informed, asking hard questions, sitting at the table with people you don't agree with, trying to understand, trying to compromise where possible to to preserve the greater human rights at stake, then I think we'll see movement and I think we'll see incredible results. But it's going to take all of us. Can't just be Bellwether. Can't just be some of the stakeholders that we see in the world right now. Freedom of religion or belief has to be internalized as a fundamental human right, as freedom of conscience. When we internalize it, when we commit to these issues, when we commit to staying involved, staying part of the conversation, even when it's uncomfortable, then we'll see movement. We'll see change. We'll see good things happen in the world. Thank you so much for that wonderful answer. Thank you for all the hard work that you've already done for Bellwether and for this incredible cause. And thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in to our very first episode of the Forbcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, and send this episode to someone who you think would find it interesting. I invite you to follow us on social media. I'm going to put the links for that into our show notes. And of course, check us out at our home on the web, bellweathernGO.org and tune in next week for another update from the Forbcast. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>